This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates. Our aim is to help you on your investing journey, break down the barriers from beginning to dividend, whether you're an absolute beginner or Warren Buffett. We guarantee Equity Mates will have something for you. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my Equity Mate, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Uh, excited for this episode. Uh, this is a this is a bit of a walk down memory lane for you this, uh, this week. Uh, we talk about long-term investing a lot on the podcast, and... Uh, we're talking to someone who's been involved with your very first investment. Yes, he doesn't know it, but he's been on my journey for the last... Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it in a second. It is, it is our pleasure to welcome uh, Tom Milner from Contact Asset Management. How are you, Tom? Yeah, well, thanks, gents. Thanks for having me. So, uh, for those who are unaware, Tom is a director and portfolio manager at uh, Contact Asset Management. He has 17 years experience in markets, was the chief executive officer of Rickworks Investment Company. And for those who have been on the journey, no, that was my very first investment back in 2003. Was Wise the IPO? <laughs> <laughs> Tom was uh, was there 2008 to 2016. In that time, he grew uh, assets under management from 440 million to a billion, as well as his work at Contact. Uh, Tom is also a director of Washington H. Sol Patterson and New Hope Corporation. So, Tom, vast experience in the markets. Very much looking forward to unpacking what has been my first investment. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> so before we get into that, uh, we do like to start with a bit of a game uh, just to throw a few uh, themes and indexes out there that yeah, we sure. may not otherwise touch on. Yep. Uh, we call it overrated or underrated. You up for playing? Yeah, let's go. All right, we'll start at home uh, with our benchmark index, ASX 200, overrated or underrated? Uh, given the recent reporting season we've had, probably underrated. Okay. What, why is that? Um, I think... Share prices ran pretty hard over the last 12 months, as we all know. Uh, valuations seem stretched, but the reporting season we've just seen this February, the earnings gap has, has narrowed. Um, they were pretty good results, and the outlook for the good quality companies is, is still pretty good. Mm. Overrated or underrated, the NASDAQ 100? Oh, so overrated. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's completely... That's at the You're going to have to scale. elaborate on that one. That one that we, <laughs> as soon as you start talking revenue multiples... You know, future revenue multiples, uh, buying revenue. Uh, we we don't we don't really understand that in our in our process. So, um, Nasdaq overrated. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, an asset class that is close to every Australian's heart, uh, overrated or underrated, Australian property. Depends what you're doing. If you're <laughs> nice. if you're a holder of a house, it's probably okay. Yeah. Um, if you're looking, it's definitely overrated. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and to close it out, uh, another asset class that is hotly spoken about at the moment: overrated, underrated, Bitcoin. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, overrated. No, overrated. No comment. No comment. <laughs> um, I'll be honest. I don't. I don't understand that as well as I probably should. Um, and I think if you asked most people in the street if they actually understood it as well, they'd probably give you the same answer. So. If you asked most Bitcoin investors, they'd probably yeah, give you that's the probably same true answer. Too. Well, I was listening to I don't know if you've heard of Clubhouse. There's a an, the app yep. over in the states, yeah. And I was I was just jumped onto that last night to listen to a few people chat about crypto and whatnot, and. I just felt so behind the eight ball that I was just like, it's almost not try- worth trying to yeah, get up to amazing. speed on because the stuff that they were talking about was... Anyway, we're not here to talk about crypto. No, but- <laughs> no, no. That's a whole episode in and of yeah, itself. Yeah, it was unbelievable. So, Tom, uh, we do want to get to what you're doing at uh, BKI and Contact and um, all of that. But before we do, we want to get to know you a little bit. Uh, and we like to start with uh, hearing about your first investment. Sure. We find there's sometimes a good story or some good lessons that come out of it. Uh, so to kick us off today, can you tell us the story of your first investment? Yeah, sure. It's a bit like Bryce's story, I think. It's probably a little bit boring. In hey. the fact that um, <laughs> it, was, it, was, uh, it was bought for me, which I was fortunate enough, but it was it was obviously a, a Washington H. Sol Pattinson share. So um, obviously a very long-dated family history there. Um, so that was my, my first share still own it, obviously, um, probably will never sell it. Um, I dare say it'll be probably passed to my kids and grandkids. Uh, so it's a very long-term stable investment that, that, that was my first investment. For people who aren't familiar with, uh, Washington H. Sol Patterson and, um, your family's connection to it, do you want to just explain that? Yeah, sure. So, um, 140 years ago, my great, great grandfather, Louis Pattinson started a chemist chain, Pattinson and Co., uh, and then he teamed up with a mate of his um, and started the company Washington H. Sol Pattinson and they listed that in 1903. Uh, and since then, they've obviously had chemist chains, uh, but then as the, I suppose, business developed and, and things started to get probably a little bit difficult in retail and, and, and chemists, uh, they, they diversified. Uh, my, my great uncle, Jim Milner, he, he, he broadened the business quite substantially. They did a cross shareholding ownership with Brickworks Limited, which which uh, is the owner of Austral Bricks, uh, in the in the mid '60s, and then from there that was that was literally their their probably first investment outside of, of the chemist chain, and from there they went into um, mining and resources, uh, telecommunications through TPG, uh, which is now merged with Vodafone, and and various other things within you know agriculture, financials, etc. So. I think the market cap of souls today is about $7 billion. It's never missed paying a dividend since listing in 1903. Uh, some of the returns of the portfolio are probably best in, in the world from a, on, a, on a per annum basis. It's, 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 it's an amazing story and something I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of, obviously. Yeah, it's, it's, one of the, it's, it's an underrated company in Australia because you know, we, we often talk about you know, uh, reinvesting profits, finding ways to grow the business, and like, that's the story of Washington H. Mm. part. It's like... Started with a chemist and now it's this diversified financials company um, that just keeps reinvesting. Mm. Yeah, and it's it's hard to explain because even the Sol Pat's chemist chain is is dwindling somewhat, but people are being aware of the Priceline chain of pharmacists. So uh, that is, that is part of the API group, and when, and Sol still own a twenty odd percent stake in API. Mm-hmm. 
Tom, are you able to uh, give us a bit of insight into your own sort of personal investing philosophy? Yeah, it's 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 pretty sensible. Um, I only own... Everyone says that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I, I probably mean it because I've only got sort of, I think, seven or eight holdings. Wow, okay. Uh, I don't hold this big, huge, elaborate portfolio of 100 shares and if they don't work, I put them in the bottom drawer and... I do that for a living. I, I manage other people's money with, with my business partner, Will Colbert, at, at Contact and, and, and with my father at, at Souls. But it, it's it's backing myself. So I own BKI shares. I own Souls shares. I own Brickwork shares. I own New Hope shares. Um, I own money in the funds that we manage. And that's that's literally it. Mm. You know, I, I don't want to go out and then buy BHP or Transurban or an ARB, which I would dare say we'll talk about later. But you know, I own them through a BKI or through a Souls portfolio or through the managed funds that we run. So I don't need to then go and duplicate that. The hassle of doing that twice a year of getting your dividend statements and all that sort of thing mm-hmm. in, it's just I get six slips yeah, um, each half and it's it's quite easy. Well, we, we say look for managers and look for uh, like executives that have skin in the game. Uh, it sounds like you definitely have skin in your own game. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, and I think that's something that, that Dad's instilled in us as well, and 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 Jim did with him, and 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 you know Louis Pattinson way back in the day, you know his name was on the front door, and you know you you back yourself. If you're not prepared to back yourself, you're not going to go out and raise money and manage other people's money. So, you know it's 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 a it's a thing that we take quite seriously, and and through alignment when we t- look at companies, that's one of the big things we look at. Mm-hmm. So let's um, move to Brickworks and Contact Asset Management. Uh, it was uh, my first investment back in 2003. Um, so the story of Contact starts with Brickworks? Yeah, so the, the, the BKI Brickworks story is, is, a, is a very similar one to Sol. So Brickworks as well, when they merged with, with Sol Pats, started to invest in, in equities themselves. So when they had a really good year and, and they sold a lot of building product, they'd buy bank shares, uh, they'd get the dividends, they'd get the franking credits, so when Brickworks acquired Bristol Roof Company uh, in 2003, they needed to raise some money and they had this portfolio and they thought, well, rather than liquidate it, why don't we create an LIC? So it was called Brickworks Investment Company in 2003 and we raised $172 million, I think, for memory. And then over the years, I got a bit sick of taking calls for, for brick orders and all that sort of thing. <laughs> so we changed, we changed the name to BKI, which was the ticker code yep. um, of the stock. So, so that's how it sort of developed. And what's the, um, for those that are unaware, what's the sort of mandate for BKI? There's not a, a true mandate in the sense that we can own any stock in the, in the market. And we're, we're pretty you know, broad about the, I suppose, the investment holdings in the portfolio from a market cap point of view. But what we've found is we've got 19,000 shareholders. Most of them are in pension mode. Most of them are self-managed super funds. Or a bit like you, Bryce, most of them are in accumulation phase. So... We've got to try and have a portfolio that's a high-yielding portfolio but then does also add a little bit of growth. So that the mandate is first and foremost, let's try and give our shareholders a, a, about a 5% yield if we can through the, through the cycle. And we might hold stocks that yield 7 8 9% and we might own stocks that only yield 1%, 2%, but they've got a growing dividend. So that's, that, that's the mandate. The mandate is GFC... COVID, whatever, we might have to adjust the dividend, but at least we're going to pay one. And in the good times, we'll accumulate franking credits and we'll pay out specials to to sort of flatten the, the curve, in which we have done. I think we paid eight or nine special dividends since listing. So between 
2008 and 2016, you were the CEO at BKI. You more than doubled assets under management. Um, and I guess you started at a pretty inauspicious time with the GFC. Um, what was what was the journey like at BKI and what were some of the lessons you learned during that time? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question and it's, it's important to go back into those sort of periods sometimes, especially in the, in the, you know, in the environment that we're at now. But uh, when we listed BKI, Souls Funds Management, which was a, a, a small mid-cap fund that Souls had an interest in, they were the managers of BKI for five years. And through that experience, I, I learned a, a lot from, from guys like Frank Volandi and Paul Biddle in particular. And then after the five years, when that mandate finished, um, I was invited by the board to, to come in and become CEO of BKI which I thought was, was great. I was only 30. I was CEO of a $400 million market cap. Jeez, CEO of 30, enough. what are we doing? <laughs> <I know. laughs> the more we do these podcasts and the older we get, the more I'm just like, oh, yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you haven't sold your BKI shares, Bryce. So That's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, you're winning. I don't know if that, yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so then, you know, that was all great. Uh, but the GFC was happening and it was pretty ordinary. You know, it was... Um, you know, the Dow Jones was down six, seven hundred points a night for, for weeks on end. Our market followed. Uh, capital raisings left, right and centre. One of the th- biggest things I did learn during that period, Alec, was Dad always says, make sure you have some cash. You know, make sure you have some cash on the sidelines because if you, if you find a moment like the GFC, you don't want to be selling NAB to buy CBA. Yeah. You don't want to be selling Woolies to buy West Farmers back then. You want to have some cash so you can own both of them and buy them when everyone else is selling and, you know, all those raisings that they did, they, they were huge discounts, massive. And we still own most of those stocks today. So just on that, um, you know, Alec and I also try and maintain a bit of a cash, cash position because I was in year 12 or 11 when the GFC hit and remember thinking, God damn, I wish I had... 10 grand to throw into anything right now. <laughs> and so since then, I've said to myself, you know, always have a bit of cash. Yep. Um, what's your strategy in terms of knowing how much cash to kind of sit aside? And, you know, is it grow that continuously or is it just allocate 10%, you know, for our audience who are also trying to do this yeah, strategy? That, that's a great question. And I think very topical at the moment. If you can get, like back, back then, we were getting five, six, seven percent interest. So holding cash actually wasn't such a bad option anyway. So that was probably a bit a bit easier. In today's environment, when you're not getting much interest, if any interest at all post-tax, it's really hard to have 10, 15, 20% of your wealth in, in cash. So at the moment for BKI, for example, for our funds at Contact, we're at about between probably 5 and 7% cash. It's, it's enough to, to deploy if we, if we have to in probably one or two positions. But it's not enough if the market fell thirty percent to really have a, have a go have a crack and, and and buy most of the stocks in the portfolio and 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 really really take advantage of it. But by holding ten or fifteen percent cash in this environment, last year you know you've missed twenty plus percent growth. Uh, you're getting nothing in interest, so it's it's a bit of a game of what's a better opportunity. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, however much cash you had on the sidelines, you would wish you had more during like the GFC or in March 2020. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're sitting here 12 months ago from yeah. where it just about turned. Mm. Yeah. And you're right, you know, you could have had 30, 40% cash, but mm. you probably wouldn't have pulled the trigger until well, a, month, a month's time, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The thing for, that we were lamenting was just how quickly it turned. We thought we had more time and it was just, yep. and it's up again. Yeah, Yeah, we, we, we took the same view. Yeah. 
So um, let's get back to your story. So you were CEO of BKI until 2016, and then uh, you started contact with your partner, Will Colbert. Um, what was the deci- why, like, why the decision to transition from BKI to uh, managing BKI under contact? Yeah, sure. So Will, Will joined BKI three years prior to, to the decision to, to start contact, and just just for your listeners, it's a it's a pretty cool story as well. We talk about our family a lot, but you know, Will and our family have got a, a, a very similar story, and hence the name Contact. Uh, Will's great grandfather was a really famous horse trainer, Danny Lewis. Uh, my great grandfather um, on the other side of the family, Max Claverin, was an accountant who loved race horses. They became good mates. Danny Lewis is Will's great grandfather, as I said, and and Max is mine, and they had this horse called Contact. <laughs> And it was a long distance runner, so it wasn't a sprinter. So it typified sort of what we're doing. It won the 1936 Sydney Cup and ran second in the 35 Melbourne Cup. You know, it's a pretty cool story. Yeah, that is. Um, so that's that's the name. If people are wondering <laughs> why we call it Contact, it's a pretty random name. You can't Google search it because every single website comes up Contact. <laughs> yeah. but it's, a, it's a marketing nightmare in that sense but but we, we were working together and we thought this is great we've built this thing now to about one billion dollars it's a really good LIC MER is minuscule it's about 16 bips but we were pretty ambitious. We hold on, hold on. We're just gonna we're just gonna interrupt you to get some jargon explained there. MER oh, sorry. and BIPs, oh sorry, sorry, sorry. So manage, management about. expense ratio. Yeah. What it costs a shareholder or a investor to to run the portfolio. Um, most funds are anywhere between 0.5 percent up to two percent. Uh, so we run BKI at 0.1 percent, so ten basis points only. So it's very very low. We haven't actually seen another managed fund run as as you know, cheaply is mm. that. And that, so 0.1% management fee and from memory, no performance fee? No performance yeah, fee. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. So what, what we had to do when we when Cheaper we started the... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So when we started the business contact, we we felt compelled to take our salary equivalent as a, as a I suppose, a management fee yep. and, and take that across. You know, there's no good charging 40 basis points if you're only, you know, equivalently charging 10 through your salary so so that was it that was important to us so we went we went to the to the board and pitched this idea of we'd like to start a, a funds management business you know obviously very happy to, to continue to run BKI as it is and it's important to also break that down is whilst we're the portfolio manager all the investment decisions are done by the investment committee at BKI so you know there is a secondary filter before uh, actual investment is is made and implemented um, at the BKI level so we went to them and they, they agreed and, you know, we started, started contact. We only had the one client for, for a long time, which was, which was fine. But what we thought is it, as we build contact and put more analysts on and more resources, the BKI shareholder should benefit from that uh, because it was very hard. If we went from an MER of 16 to 20 um, and all the bigger guys, Afik, Argo, Milton, the, you know, the, the grandfathers of the LIC industry who have been around for you know, 90 years, some of them, they're all charging between sort of 15 and 18, 15 and 16 even. You know, we couldn't then just go outside the circle and, and, and do that. So that's, that's why we went that way. But, um, and then from there, we um, ended up managing the Sol's large cap portfolio. So you remember the, the Brickworks portfolio I was talking mm, about before? Mm. Sol's obviously had their own, own in-house portfolio. It's about a $350 million Australian equity portfolio. We manage that. 
Same sort of mandate as BKI, yield, capital preservation. Those dividends go back to the, the main um, Washington H. Sol Pattinson business to help them pay their dividends to shareholders each half as well. Mm. We will just uh, take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, Tom, you just mentioned there the, the large cap fund at Souls. So let's kind of move to that. And you've explained the relationship. So it's a large cap, what, three... 350. 50. Yep. What's your investment process for that or the, the filter that you kind of take for that sort of process? So it's the same as BKI. So we've got that five-step process that we talk about at BKI. Principal activity, balance sheet, management, and then valuation. We can talk through that if you like. Yeah, let's do yep. it. I think so. I think yeah, yeah. people love hearing how experts yep. analyze stocks. Yep. So let's get into yep. that. Yeah. So uh, number one, principal activity. If we start there, yeah. uh, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, but like, what are you looking for with, with that one? Yeah, so principal activity is, is basically understanding the business. So we had a bit of a joke about Bitcoin before, but if there was a business attached to Bitcoin and we didn't understand it, there's no way we should be investing in that. Whereas if it's an ARB or a Reese or a CBA or a BHP, we understand their principal activity and their business model, and that sort of goes then to the next step that we're happy to happy to invest in in that company. Yeah. So then uh, you understand the business. Next one is income. Income. So yep. what are you looking for there? So I think we get a bit mistaken about oh it must be five percent yield, must be seven percent yield. That's not necessarily the case. Income for us is if a company has the ability to pay out a dividend, it might only be a yield of one percent, but if they've got the ability to pay out a dividend, a lot of things have worked for them. You know, they've been successful. We're not talking about revenue multiples anymore. Sure, they get revenue, but it's growing, obviously. Uh, they've got a lot of expenses that they've, they've, they've paid. They've paid staff. They've, they've acquired a business or they've, they've grown or they've spent money on R&D. Uh, it's generating cash still. They might have, a, have some debt, but they're paying interest. Uh, and then all of a sudden, they've got profits and excess capital that they can return to shareholders. So, it just it, it sort of proves up the business model for us as opposed to saying, let's run a filter, anything under 4% we won't invest in. Yeah, right. So it's not it's not a threshold. It's more just binary. Are they paying anything? Or do they have the prospect of paying yeah, one in, in okay. the near future? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, so, and, 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 to, and further to that, if a company cuts a dividend, that's a bit of a red flag to us. Yeah, right. Something's okay. actually really gone wrong in the business that says, okay, we, we're not generating enough profits from our core business to pay a dividend. I got to ask, Solpats has been listed for what 117 years. Have they ever cut their dividend? 
have they ever cut? That's a great, <laughs> not, not in the last 20 odd years. Okay. And that's, that's they're, they're the only stock in the whole market that hasn't. Wow. wow. Uh, Ramsey Healthcare was the other one, but they obviously have yeah. cut their dividend recently. But uh, the only stock in the whole market that haven't cut their dividend over the last 20 years. Wow. But they have paid that's dividends surprising. every year. Yeah. There you go. Incredible, incredible stat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, you principal activity, you understand the company. Income, it does pay a dividend or it has the capacity to pay a dividend. Uh, third one is financial strength. Yes. So we talked about the GFC before. We're talking about COVID. Um, if a balance sheet is stretched in a, cycle, in, a, in a cyclical environment, the first thing to go is the dividend. And then once the dividend gets cut, all sorts of stuff happens. You know, they raise money, they dilute shareholders, um, management might leave because it's you know it's not the business they thought it was. Um, they're not going to hit their EPS targets, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it, it does start a bit of a, a tsunami if you get the balance sheet wrong. We don't mind debt as long as it's serviceable and and easily easily addressed if it needs to be. Uh, I, I know at the start of 2020, Bryce and I were talking about you know like. Oh, sorry, not at the start. Like when COVID was really kicking off, it was sort of like look, you know, look for companies that have the ability to survive this time, like with a strong balance sheet, and then thrive afterwards. And you know, that's all good and well for us to say, but it's I guess it's a lot harder to actually like understand what you should be looking for when you're looking at a balance sheet. So like, what are some of the key metrics you're looking at, or what are some of the key I guess indicators you're looking at that indicate financial strength? Yeah, there's a lot of ratios, and we can go we could go into that, but I, you know, it's it's probably not. Not worth going down that rabbit <laughs> hole, to be honest. But, but you know, debt coverage, whatever ratio you look at, it must be sustainable, and it depends what industry industry you're in. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, the the gearing the gearing ratios may be, you know, ninety percent for one industry, but they might only be sort of thirty percent. You know, you might feel comfortable at thirty percent at another industry because if you look at a resource company, you know, the profits of a resource company are, are sort of driven by two things: the commodity price and the currency. And if those if those two go against you, and your gearing's thirty percent, but you think it's comfortable, but your revenue falls to pieces, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your gearing your yeah. gearing <laughs> jumps up. Your your balance sheet's a bit stretched. Your your market cap falls, yeah, and you run into all sorts of all sorts of trouble. So it's a bit hard to put a blanket rule on that. And that's, yeah, and that's yeah. sort of another reason that you know people should give money to the professionals to manage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is it is more and more that we do this. You do see that that like. Everyone's looking for the shortcut, like indicator, like valuation, price to earnings. But like you see how that's mm. not good enough, you know. And then like in same with like balance sheet stuff, there are indicate like ratios and stuff. But more and more, it's like you just have to do the hard work of doing. Yeah, the and, and another another stock in that example is is Transurban or even a Sydney Airport or APA. You know, an infrastructure stock has, you know, on the surface a terrible looking balance sheet, but it's so long dated, mm. it's all fixed, and their business model usually is is so consistent that they can service that debt yeah, yeah, yet yeah. yet if you went to a a retailer and looked at their balance sheet and it was 90 percent gearing see you later. yeah <laughs> literally see yeah, you later. Yeah. So, yeah you're out of business yeah so let's get back to these five steps uh you under principal activity income financial strength uh fourth one is management and this is the this is key this is this is one thing that we have really learned over the last nearly 20 years is a good manager will make a good business great a bad manager will make a great business quite ordinary at over his or her tenure right how do you pick a good manager well obviously you've got to meet them and the last 12 months has been really difficult to do that but we always meet management we always go and see their facilities or their distribution center or or their factory or wherever they are 
Um, but the big thing is how much equity do they own in the company that they are running? If they're if they're tr- if they've got true alignment, they own five, six, ten, fifteen, thirty percent of the business. The the really good managers are usually the founders. Yeah, founder led businesses is something that we really really like looking for. Um, again, the names on the door. They've got all their wealth tied up in the business. You know that they're going to get out of bed every morning and work for you as a shareholder. What about for the big Australian companies, though, like the the Woolworths, the CBAs? Like they're obviously not going to have their entire wealth tied up in this. So how do you treat that sort of dynamic? No, but just- if you you know if you see a, a CEO at the big big bank and he's got ten or fifteen million dollars worth of stock, that probably gets you out of bed. It's probably enough. What are their incentives? What's that structure look like? How long is it? you know, going to go for, it's, it's a bit different at the top end. I, I understand yeah. that, but you know, again, they're still aligned. Yeah. Although uh, Brad Banducci apparently is trying to put his name on every Woolworth stores. Is he? <laughs> no, I just oh. like that. <laughs> so uh, management for us is an interesting one because, you know, m- the majority of the equity mates audience are retail investors and a lot of uh, fund managers we speak to talk about going and meeting management and for retail investors, that's just something that we can't do. So, Outside of that, what are some of the key things that you're looking at that you help you know assess management? Well, I think culture of a business stems from management or good management. So even if you go to Coles or Woolies and you're there doing the groceries, just take a step back, just observe someone who's packing the shelves and have a chat to them and you know see if they're engaged in the business. If you go, if you're ha- you know fortunate to, enough to to go to a town which is a mining community, just have a look at. You know what's what's written on their shirt, which mine they come from, how their behaviour is. You know, it's not just the management at the top tier; it's it's management at, at differing levels of a business, which obviously flows through to the to the entire workforce. So, any any retailer you can go in and you get a good sense of if that person on the on the front register is is up to the task of yes, this is I'm working for a, a corporation, but I, I actually enjoy it and I'm, I'm passionate about it. Yeah. That that just always makes me think of Bunnings, like undisputed. Yeah. Well, I think the that's best, a great example. Best retailer yep. in Australia, but you go into every store and it's like people are helpful and like you, you enjoy going there. Yeah, Harvey Norman's no different. JB Hi-Fi, they're all you know they're very similar of, of being very acceptable to the customer. They understand that the customer is king, mm. Mm. and you know if, without customers you don't have a business. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. So uh, we've covered principal activity, income, financial strength, management. Now we get to the fifth one uh, where I guess uh, you really make the money, uh, which is valuation. Mm. So how do you think about valuation? Um, we can be very patient. I think that's the thing that we have within the Souls Group. We can be very patient. So for years we looked at ARB and the GFC finally hit and the stock was $2.45, $2.50 and we bought, we were buying it. We thought this this has fallen way below our valuation. It was probably four or five dollars before that. It came down and we were we were buying it when, when no one else wanted it. And that was a really good example for me to see, okay, we we like a business, but if it is stretched, if the valuations are stretched, you don't have to pay for it. You you can wait. Mm. But if you do all the work first and then you do get a bit of a blip in the market, happy to happy to own it. So this is where the tricky part comes in. If you don't want to have too much cash on the sidelines uh, because there's no point having cash given the cash environment, but valuations become so stretched and you want to remain patient and not go into the market. Where do you, like, where's, what do you do? <laughs> you, you look a bit further out than FY21. 
Right. So you look at 22, 23, 24, and in all our models, we do a five-year assumption. So ARB, not long ago. We're picking on ARB a little bit here. I'm sorry, but it's <laughs> just a, it's a, it's a stock that's done very, very well. Mm. Choose anything, but, but ARB, it was on 40 times PE multiple not long ago. Share price went through $40, and it was probably difficult to own if you hadn't already owned it. But if you fast-tracked two or three years and assumed that their US acquisitions and revenues that they were going to get out of the US business with their um, JV with Ford was going to work, you know, the valuations came down quite significantly. You're talking sort of 24, 25 times again. So again, if, you're, if you are a genuine long-term investor, you can look out and have a view that I think this will be worth significantly more in three or four, four or five years' time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's the, the, like the truism that Amazon's always traded at a 60 PE? Or Correct. More? Like, it's always been expensive. Ramsey but. Healthcare, we bought when the market cap was lower than $400 million. Mm. Mm. So, Tom, just before we move on to the uh, X50 fund, uh, for, for those who are looking to get access to the work that you're doing at Souls, um, is that just through the Soul ASX, SOL? Um, is that how retail investors or that's... Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. So that's an internal mandate. So okay. that, that portfolio would be part of or is part of the broader group. So that's, a, that's an investment similar to but very much smaller than New Hope, Brickworks, um, TPG, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, if you're buying a Souls share, yep. you're buying all that. Yeah. Um, I think if you if you're buying a BKI share, you're just buying the portfolio. Yeah, yeah. So the the ticker for Souls, uh, for Soul for those who are unaware is ASX S O L. Now, Tom, you have just launched uh, the ASX X fifty fund, um, which is investing in Australian companies outside the largest fifty companies in Australia. Why pursue that sort of strategy? Yeah, we we took the view that at both BKI and Souls, we had a lot of large caps. So we've got a 15% portfolio weight in CBA at Souls, at the Souls portfolio, for example. We own about 8% of CBA in, in BKI. In both portfolios, we also own big big licks of BHP, NAB, uh, Rio, West Farmers, Woolworths, you know, the, the, the typical stocks that the mum and dads would probably own. But we do have a bit of a tail in those both portfolios of, of your Reese's, your ARBs, your Ramsey Healthcare's, your Goodman groups, those sort of companies that have done really, really well for us. And we thought it would complement that quite nicely. Uh, it ties into our process a lot better. You know, a lot of those are founder-led businesses, which we, which we really enjoy obviously investing in. And the X50 index itself has outperformed most indexes over the last 10, 15 years by a considerable way. The trouble we have with that index, though, is there's a lot of stuff like a, a zip or an afterpay a lot of the IT stuff that we don't understand doesn't sort of make our <laughs> make our filter, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, I think the valuation. And you can see, yeah, I'm a bit bitter because I didn't even buy any PAs. So <laughs> but but they've done a fantastic job. But unfortunately, in our process, that that doesn't stack up. So we've got it. We've got a great pool to fish in. But again, we've just got to be true to word and stick to our process. And the, the X50 fund's done very well. I think in ten or up to twelve months, we've we've returned. I think twenty seven or twenty eight percent. I think, wow, in nice. just in just good quality, sensible, founder led businesses. 
So with BKI, we were talking about the strategy uh, being some growth, but um, a lot of like focus on income um, and for those self-funded retirees and stuff like that. Is that the same with the X50? Or it are is. You, okay. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. And and again, the yield headline yield's not as not as good. It's not the four four and a half yeah. five percent. It's more like three point two three point three percent, which is a lot lower. But the growth is a lot higher. Yeah. Yeah. Which would be you would expect if you start excluding the big four banks and yep. the big retailers and yep. stuff like that. Yeah, it's, and it's you know we've we've sort of covered the space for many years anyway, but it's exciting to have them in the one portfolio mm. and have a meaningful position in a you know in a uh, ResMed for example, a bit more of a holding in TPG. You know both both founder led businesses, ARB, Reese, as you know it's the it's the same sort of stocks, but just good quality sensible positions. Mm. When will Afterpay get a look in? <laughs> well, from an alpha point of view, it ripped through the index. Yeah, it's gone into the hundred, yeah. Yeah. so it's not in the X fifty. It's gone into the fifty. I think it's in the twenty now. Yeah, it so it's um. It was. I don't know. It's fallen off a bit lately. Crazy. Yeah. It's so it's uh, it's not in the not in the crosshairs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Phew>. <laughs> I mean, given we've given we've touched on Afterpay a little bit, you did write a blog post uh, talking about. Uh, Afterpay, and I guess why you were okay with missing Afterpay. Um, do you want to share some of the insights? Yeah, that's that's a great article. Will Will wrote that, and he did a, did a fantastic job in doing so. And I think when you break it down and, and just write about not just it could have been any stock, um, but but what we avoided by sticking to our process, we we've got to be we've got to be sensible. You know, people give us money to manage for them. You know, they might be a pensioner. They might give us a percentage of their life savings. And we are not going to invest in something that we understand that may not be here tomorrow, that may do very well one day, but may not may not make it over the next five, seven years. So, you know, that, that whole being sensible is is sort of ingrained in us. And we, we're just not going to risk chasing Alpha for five minutes to, to try and tick a box of, yeah, you, you performed well this year because... Anyone that's performed fifty percent in the last year, I can guarantee they'd be be hard pressed to do it again next year. Mm. I think uh, like a, a key theme that's coming out of this conversation is like long term patient capital, and you know that's that's a real strong point, and I guess that comes from the the roots of souls being around for so long and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, you are a fund manager, and I guess you know you have you have to tell your clients how you're going quarterly, yearly, all that stuff. How do you balance the I guess the constant need from the people you're managing, the the money that you're managing to know how you're going, how they've performed this quarter with that like long-term patient disciplined approach. Yeah. Um, it's something we have juggled with, but I think what's happened with us managing at an LIC first has been really good when we go into the active fund space. So BKI being listed, you've got all these ASX rules, obviously, you know, full transparency, good corporate governance, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we give our shareholders and the market the whole portfolio twice a year. Now, most active guys will give you the top five mm. or ten and put it in alphabetical order <laughs> so you don't, you don't yeah, actually yeah, know yeah. what they're managing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's fine. They've got a lot of IP and, and all the rest of it. I, I understand that. But, but what we found at BKI and going into the X50 product is let's be transparent. Let's, let's show people what we do. Let's tell people what we do and let's not be afraid of, of doing that. Um, we've even done a, a, an extra step with BKI. Traditionally, we do an, a monthly NTA. Now we're doing a weekly NTA to try and update the market, um, and hopefully some of the other traditional LICs will, will follow. But that's 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 sort of closing a gap a little bit. 
Will you ever get to, you know, the ATF style, just like constantly reporting your NTA? Um, we've got the modelling to do it. Whether um, a shareholder who's in pension mode really cares yeah, that much yeah, about yeah. it, probably not. Yeah, that's fair. But just taking that transparency into the X50 fund, we, we, you know, we show typically our top 10 or top 20 stocks percentage. We'll talk about them. We'll just be open and, and honest and, and transparent. Mm. So uh, just briefly uh, on the X50 before we move to sort of current times, the fees on the X50, 0.6 management and 15% performance, whereas um, BKI and uh, Sol both uh, 0.1 as we've spoken about and also zero performance. Why, why the difference? Um, it's obviously more of an active portfolio. Last, last 12 months is not a great example, but we are going to have to be very active. We have to go out and visit these companies quite regularly, more so than we do at BKI. But if you look at that 60 basis points, uh, most of the industry in an X50 product or X20 product charge you between 1% and 1.2%. So it's half the market. And, and we are actually looking at restructuring that performance fee and actually getting rid of it. All right. Wow. Next yep. time you go out, uh, bring us along. We'll record it. Love yeah. to uh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, we'll do that. We'll yeah. love to be yeah. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, Tom, we want to uh, get a couple of thoughts on you know the market today and some companies uh, that you're looking at. But uh, before we do that, we're just going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. So, Tom, um, you know we've talked about the different funds that you run at Contact. I'm sure uh, between all of the different funds, you've got great coverage of the ASX so we want to pick your brains a little bit on that what are some of let, let's start here what are some of the companies at the top of your watch list at the moment in Australia from a large cap point of view we think Transurban's probably good value at the moment uh, why do we say that uh, interest rates are very low every time a, a, a line of debt for them comes up they're they're, they're striking that at a, a significantly cheaper rate than they were when it was struck five, seven, ten years ago. So that's great. I think the average interest now is about 4%. We can see that going quite a lot lower than that in the next couple of years. Um, assets that they've delivered uh, are opening. You know, North Connects, part of the West Connects program, is 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 open and, and, and doing very, very well. Uh, that North Connects tunnel, there's five or 6,000 trucks from day one on that that toll road. It's on a truck multiplier of three three times. So three times more than the car. I think it's like $27 a trip, for example. True. Um, and their rates, their that, tolls... That means it's $9 for a car, which is just... It's, it's crazy. <laughs> but but if you want to sit on Pennant Hills Road and waste 45 yeah, minutes, yeah, you yeah. can... You know, it's still there. <laughs> Knock yourself out. True, true. Um, and, you know, the, their tolls are CPI adjusted. So as we're seeing now inflation come through, yeah. these toll roads are going to go up. As we see people moving around more, and we saw the traffic numbers in Sydney increase... Uh, Melbourne's still got to come, but the, the traffic numbers are, are going to go go very well, we think. They've got a great network in Brisbane, Melbourne, and Sydney in particular. They've, they've, they've got some other stuff out over, overseas, which is good, but we think in, at current market prices, that's a, it's a really good opportunity. 2021 might be the sweet spot for Transurban where everyone's going back to work, but no one wants to go on public transport. And, so and they talked about that. Let's get in the car. They talked about that recently. Yeah, it's a, it's right. a huge trend. Yeah. Where do you sit on the inflation debate at the moment? What's where are you sort of calculating that into your models? Um, it's a it's a great question and one we're debating constantly. Um, I think if you step back and start with like general interest rates, they'll they'll be they'll be soft and, and low for a while. So put that to a side. They've sort of told us that. 
Yeah. Um, how much money they put into the market to buy bonds back is probably the bigger, the bigger question. And we think they they'll have to do that. That's probably the only way they can keep any sort of lid on currency at the moment. Uh, so so that that may get a bit of support and, and and a bit of you know QE, but any inflation from what we've seen in the last twelve months is obviously positive. Yeah, is that having a direct impact on on housing? I, I don't think so. I, I my view is on housing is we're just there's so much pent up demand that's happened for for many many years and a lot of people have rented and a lot of people actually now want to buy their own home. Rates are low. It's a really big draw card, and I think that's probably why house prices are going up because your whole just basic supply demand dynamics not not working properly. Yeah, yeah. How how do you think about um, I guess the bottom up uh, approach of you know analyzing companies and their management and stuff like that, and then the top down macro stuff? Like, how much does the macro stuff uh, fit into your investing process? It, it does. It does quite a lot, and I think uh, especially in a new position. You have have to have a bit of a, a top-down view before you, you sort of meet in the middle on that last step five valuation uh, criteria. But it's, it's something we, we're, we're spending a bit more time on the top-down than we ever used to. Because mm. it just feels like, I mean, it, everything is at all-time highs. Like name an asset class that hasn't hit all-time highs in the last 12 months from baseball cards and Pokemon cards to Bitcoin to property to stocks to Gold? everything. Gold hit an all-time high uh, 2020. Yeah, it's just... It's a crazy environment. It's like there's there hasn't been any inflation in the real economy, but asset prices have just been inflated to to nothing. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. And you know, if you if you talk to the older guys around the the, the Souls uh, arena and BKI arena, they're they're comfortable now, but they are worried about what will happen or may happen in two or three years time. Because mm, mm. everything won't be at record highs forever at once. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Make sure you give us a call. When yeah, yeah. No, you're on the street. <laughs> <down>. <laughs> So, uh, Tom, we we are holding a a I wouldn't say competition, but all of our fund managers who come on this year are, whether they like it or not, put, put forward <laughs> as a nominee for fund manager of the year. F N U D. Sorry, F U N apostrophe D. Lucky I'm not in a spelling competition. Um, and it's just something that our community will sort of vote on and towards the end of the year based on the interview and all that sort of stuff. But the question and, that we and like. Hopefully, we have a big gala dinner at some point where we can <laughs> yeah, invite everyone. Talking. And yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, but uh, to, to go towards the nomination, uh, we always like to ask if you could put forward one stock, trend, or industry that you think we should be keeping an eye on this year? I know it's very short term. Wow. I know it's very okay. short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's short term <laughs> focused and the result of what you put forward, uh, how it performs is not going to go towards the benefit, but it's just <laughs> Look, sort of we're, like... We're making this up on the fly. <laughs> yeah. And, and my answer might reflect that as well. Actually. <laughs> no, no stock, okay. Stock okay. trend or industry. Stock trend industry. Okay, yeah. so another stock for you know, I spoke about Transurban from a large cap so, yeah. so from a mid and small cap we still like Harvey Norman okay so so stock tick um, great alignment probably the best retailers in the whole market uh, industry uh, online is still such a small small part of, of Australian retail sales and what we're seeing through the the brickworks Goodman JV what they what they've built over the last 10 15 20 years and what they will continue to build over that time is amazing, amazing growth in in um, distribution centres and 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 you know supported by obviously online and, and e retail. 
Harvey Norman have got a long way to go there, which is which is great. So they've hit record profits, record share prices without really tapping into that market yet. So that's that's a bit of a tick as well. But the industry is probably not retail, it's property. Okay. Their property book is enormous. It underpins most of the share price at current value. Really? And you know, just because it's a big box Harvey Norman site doesn't mean it's a big box Harvey Norman site forever. So, you know, look up, there's there's airspace, there's there's urban renewal happening around a lot of these a lot of these facilities mm-hmm. and it might not be a retail um, asset for, for much longer in the next sort of 10, 15 years. Yeah, that's nice. interesting. Yeah. yeah. So Harvey Norman own most of their... A lot of them. Not most of them, but a lot of a them. Lot of, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, nice that's fun. good. We'll, uh, we'll make a note of that. Yep. Um, yeah. That Harvey Norman, not a company that I really think of a lot, but I'll, I'll have to do some research into it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Tom, we want to uh, say massive thank you for coming on and giving us some of your time. Um, we do like to end these interviews same final three questions. But before we do, if people want to uh, find out more about contact or follow you on social media, uh, is there anywhere in the they show? Yeah, sure. So the, the best way to, to follow us is contactam.com.au. Uh, from from there, you can link back to the, the Souls website and the BKI website. Uh, but that's that's probably the best best point of call. Yeah. yeah. And a reminder that the uh, BKI LIC ticker is BKI. BKI. Yeah. And then also Soul uh, ASX is SOL. Nice. So, nice. Um, yeah, go check them out. And I think, so Bryce has been a shareholder for, what, 18 years? I think he, I des- thinking about that think he deserves interview, a that? shout out in some way in the next BKI news. <laughs> do you get a pin if you hit 20? Yeah, we've yeah, we've got a slide in our pack, Bryce, that we, that we do. The do nothing slide, we call it. If you've if you've invested from day one and participated in all the DRPs and 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 placements and and entitlement offers that we've done, you know that that one dollars worth. I think now four dollars sixty for doing nothing. Can so you, you know we'll put a slide. mugshot of you nice. in, yeah, on the slide yeah, yeah. going forward and say you know the Bryce slide or something. We call it. <laughs> I, I feel like it should be the whole Lesky family. I think you guys would all be. Well, just... I don't know if Dad's too old. Yeah. Maybe probably. Probably yeah. he was the one who got us on. But anyway, let's. There we uh... go. Anyway. <laughs> but thanks for having me, gents. It's been been a great interview. Yeah, thank yeah. you yeah, very much. Great. Good it's on you. Good to chat. Thanks. Uh, so final three questions. Um, you're not done yet. <laughs> oh, thought I, I get away with it. No, no. no. <laughs> uh, first one is: uh, Do you have any books that you consider must read? And these can be investing or otherwise. Yeah, I, I actually unfortunately don't have a lot of time to read um, outside of work stuff. You know, obviously reading a lot of you know the, the stuff from the team and research papers and then board papers and that sort of thing. I, to be honest, the last thing I feel like doing some weekends is sitting down reading a book. I'd rather spend time with with my wife and the, and the kids, to be honest. But um, one book that um, has always stuck with me is a, is a is a book called Endurance, which which is a a, a story of Shackleton's adventure, oh, yeah. and that's that's just amazing. And I think in these times where it's it's all pretty easy for a lot of us, you know, going back and, and reading those sort of stories is 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 quite amazing. Mm, mm. Nice one, nice one. Uh, second question. Now, this is a bit of a controversial one that we're trying this year, but I think it's working so far. Um, in 60 seconds or less, what's the best company you've ever seen? Oh, we've been talking about it all day. <laughs> Soul. Soul Souls. Yeah. <laughs> it's the second oldest company on the market. It's been around for forever. It's never missed paying a dividend. That was um, a softball. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but you did get under 60 seconds, so <laughs> well done. <laughs> Uh, and then finally, um, you know, if you think back to your early days, um, you know, when you got your first soul share, um, what advice would you give your younger self? 
That's that's a really good question. Um, we had the pleasure. We've been to the Berkshire Hathaway meeting quite a few times. Peter Kaufman, who who wrote Poor Charlie's Al- Almanac, we, we were fortunate to have a quite intimate dinner with him and probably only three or four other people one year. And Dad actually asked him, you know, what advice would you give these young guys around the around the table? And, and Will was there as well. And he basically said, don't get destination anxiety. Don't don't wish you were somewhere before you actually get there. Work hard, put in the hours, do your job, and you'll you'll get there eventually. So, you know, I think. I think in, in business in particular, people want to become the CEO very quickly. People want to become the CIO. People want to become a portfolio manager overnight. It doesn't happen like that. You've got to put the hard word in. You've got to get experience. You've got to get a few battle scars. And then once you've done that, you'll, you'll become it. But don't, don't try and get there before your time's Mm. For time, before your time's yeah, due. I like that. I, like that. I haven't yeah. heard that uh, destination anxiety before, but it's good. Mm. Yep. Yeah. It's stuck with us. Yeah. We use it a lot. Mm. Yeah. Well, Tom, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground and, uh, you know, we appreciate you sharing your, your story and, you know, how you've built uh, these businesses. So appreciate it. Um, for our listeners, if you do want more info, Tom's given the, the contact details, but we'll um, put it in our show notes as well. So yeah. um, best of luck down at the uh, challenge on the weekend. Oh, thank <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. A lot of fun. Good on you. Thank no you. No worries. Yeah, thanks. EquityMates Investing Podcast is a product of EquityMates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of EquityMates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the EquityMates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, EquityMates Media and the hosts of EquityMates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.